Welcome to the Content and Media Matters podcast, a series of interviews with key leaders throughout the industry, all brought to you by the Content and Media team at Nuco, a specialist global recruitment and executive search firm. Welcome to the Content and Media Matters podcast. Your hosts today are me, Tegan Bellaney, Managing Consultant, and Tim Meredith, Business Manager. And we are delighted to be joined today by Matthew Hughes, Chief Commercial Officer at M2A Media. Matt began his career in Michigan, working as a production assistant for WWMT-TV. In 1999, Matt uh, moved to the US, where he began working at Chiron. First, he was a Senior Product Specialist, before moving to Regional Sales Manager and Director of Sales for EMEA. After 13 years at Chiron, Matt moved to AWS, selling broadcast solutions across EMEA. And in 2015, Matt began working at Conviva, where he became VP of Sales for EMEA. Consequently, he became SVP of Global Sales at VNova before last year in January in 2022, taking on the role of Chief Commercial Officer at M2A Media. Welcome to the show, Matt. Thanks, Tegan. Thank you very much. No problem at all. And to get us started, we always like to ask people the same thing. How did you first get into the content and media industry? I think it was it was had you know it was part to do with my university um, uh, education. Um, I believe it or not, I originally went to university to become a, a surgeon. Um, I decided that I got into media after I found the ability uh, to party. Uh, so I was more more interested <laughs> in that. And um, but anyway, uh, one thing led to another, and I, I enjoyed media. And um, I got into uh, a few of my other friends started going into becoming presenters. Um, and when on that side of things, I started going to into production, and that was kind of the uh, uh, the, the leading part of my my career choices was yeah. was along the production side of, of broadcast. Wow, was that um, watching a lot of Grey's Anatomy back in the day that that made you want to do surgery, or what sort of surgeon were you going to be? Oh, I, I don't know yet. You know, I was. It was kind of it was kind of one of those things where I was I was um, I had I had really high hopes. Um, and really high ambitions at the time, um, but I think it would, things might have been a little bit different if I if I did stick to some of my studies. Not to say that people in media don't study hard; we know we do. <laughs> um, but um, it's a little bit ty- different type of study for uh, for that type of role. Very different. I think media would exceed all expectations anyway. Absolutely. Uh, Tim, I'm going to pass over to you for our next section. Perfect. Thank you. So you've worked in obviously commercial roles for a very long time. So what are some of the lessons that you learned in your career that you would pass on to your teams now that you're in a, in a leadership position? I think probably, you know, it's the relationship building, you know, and, and the thing is, apart from that, you know, I, I still all my you know very close friends are, are, are people that are still in the in the biz. And, you know, we have been for a number of years and they, they come back to me for questions. And, you know, and I'm confident and I can, I can, I'm confident that I can give them the right answer and, and kind of lead them in the right direction. Even, you know, years later, after I've left companies that were involved with graphics or companies that were involved in different aspects of the production. Um, I think, you know, get to know your clients and, and become friends with them. We're going to be spending a lot of time with each other at trade shows, exhibitions, uh, in the office and visiting them. So, you know, the best thing to do is to get to know them and, 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 and have fun. Mm, 
Yeah, and I suppose media is it's one of those it's one of the smallest big industries there is. There's no, you know, somebody you spend a little bit of time with just because it's a good thing to do. Ten years down the line, they're running something you'd very much like to be involved with. So it's always Absolutely. it's always worth taking time to make time. Absolutely. Totally agree. And do you have anybody that played a, a mentorship role or sort of a, a, a coach role in your career or somebody that's really influenced you that kind of stands out above others? There, there is. There's been a, there's been a number actually through my career. I mean, um, um, Keith, uh, CEO at uh, Conviva, has been a very, mm. very good mentor. Um, also, um, a person called Rich Haidu, um over the years really helped me guide my career. Um, there's been a number of people that have helped me, you know, make the right decisions, and you know, gave me really good advice at the time, and, and still give me advice to this day. On things, so you know, in particular, those are those are two people that have, have been um, uh, very influential as well. I always like that question; it's a good test. It's very similar to when somebody gets an award and they're trying <coughs> desperately to remember who they should thank for all of their success. But you, 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 you yeah, answered yeah. with confidence and speed, so I think you've done, done very Absolutely. well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, perfect, perfect. Uh, Tegan, I believe you have some questions for the presence. Thanks, Tim. Um, interesting there that uh, actually you should you should mention Conviva because I know obviously you worked there for a little bit. One of the big takeaways for us um, at NAB uh, this year was that you know a lot of people are talking about analytics, and what role do you think analytics is going to play throughout the industry in the coming few years? I think as has a has a massive um, uh, play within the industry because. We, we need to know where the audiences are coming from and then how long they're engaged to certain content and what the content um, um, that differs from me to you to the next person and how, how we engage with that. And then in, in, in turn, we understand what type of advertising to put in each of those different types of areas. So it's very important for the ad companies, for the consumer, also for the, um, uh, the companies that are, that are uh, gaining money from, from, from the big ads that are being played on, on devices and our, uh, wherever we, we see the ads. Um, stepping away from that, though, I mean, I think, you know, knowing about how engagement works with the clients, we get that from analytics, is, is important because we'll be able to find out, you know, what's, what works and what doesn't work. You know, is, is it the content? Is it something else that didn't work within that environment? Is there something wrong? getting delivery, uh, delivering that content to the person at the end, you know, what does that look like? And what does that journey look like? And all that, that detail is very much important. Personally, and I noticed as well a few months ago that um, M2A was awarded top marks by the DPP for your ongoing commitment to the DPP sustainability program. Loads of people are talking um, around issues of sustainability. How have you guys at M2A managed to talk, turn that talking into action? Yeah, so, so, we, so one of the ways that we do that is with our clients is we're able to show the way that they, you know, their, their cost of ownership or being able to, um, uh, what their savings are in particular from AWS. So how do, we, how do we spin up an instance? How do we make sure that we spin it down when it's not being used? And to manage that very quickly with our scheduling system. So, how do we make sure that they're not wasting resources, and those resources are 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 uh, are being spun down at the end? The other way is to make sure that um, you know by using the cloud, we're sending you know less equipment. There's less equipment on site, and also uh, less people having to travel. All of this helps with a, a very important with with remote workflows, um, and ensuring that we're able to get content from one end of the globe to the other end of the globe 
through the AWS cloud and make sure it's, it's very efficient as well in that process. Well, that brings us very nicely um, on to, to our next topic. And we wanted to, to discuss actually matters surrounding the cloud. So Tim, I'll, I'll pass over to you. Thank you. So when we talk about the cloud, it's always an interesting one because it feels like, you know, cloud technology and people going over to cloud-based um, solutions is not a hugely new thing. However, the broadcast space and the media space has in some ways been quite slow and quite cautious to adopt a lot of things for various factors. So how have you seen, you know, the use of cloud in the media space change throughout your career? Do you know, I think, I think the, the, the leaders in cloud adoption has been um, here in Europe and, mm -hmm. and the rest of the world. Um, and, you know, having traveled to the US as well, they're slow to adopt this change. Yeah. Um, they want to. They they, they want to have an hi a hybrid approach, so they have on-prem and cloud. You know, they want to they want to do both. Whereas you have companies like you know BBC or Channel Four, ITV, everything has gone to the cloud. You know, you've got yeah. a massive movement towards the cloud. They've embraced it. They've taken on the technology very quickly, and they've been able to cope with it uh, very well. We we've been able to help with that as well, which is great for us in our business. But if you look at other um, clients, you know, large clients in the U.S., they're a bit slower at taking this up, a bit more cautious, which is a good thing. Mm -hmm. um, but I think now is the time where I'm starting to, uh, we're starting to see people are ready to make that adoption. They're ready to make that jump. And it's now. And they've yeah. got maybe a new person that's in charge and says, okay, I've got to bring us into the cloud. This is my, as a, as a new CTO in this organization. They have to bring them into the cloud because they, they want the elasticity of being able to scale into the cloud and be able to drop it when an event is, is over. You know, that type of workflow is really important to them. So we're starting to see a massive shift, especially in the US now where cloud is cloud is becoming king. And that's, yeah. uh, it's, it's, it's very important. And we did notice when we were uh, sort of recruiting throughout the pandemic and this, you know, especially the sort of like first and second lockdowns, you know, things like remote production and relying on cloud and remote technologies for that side of things sort of came up pretty quickly for, for all the obvious reasons. On on your side of things, did you see the pandemic accelerate the use of the cloud there as well? I think it did because we didn't have a choice. So I think, you know, all, all of that, it just happened and it happened quickly with my previous role. We definitely saw that. Um, now it's starting to, you know, you, we had a plateau. Things are kind of dropping off a little bit where there's less of a rush and people could take their time because, now we can visit these facilities, we can go and see, we can try, we can test in person. So I think it's it's now be, it's more cautious than mm. it was during during pandemic. And I suppose once you have one or two big case studies of major organizations moving over and they go, right, it's been six months and, and nothing's gone bang, people start to, they can see it, they can see it works. They don't have to sort of have that uh, uh, first, first user tax that you sometimes see when you're kind of at the cutting edge of things. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That that makes sense for um, both for the both for the vendor who's who's involved with the process and also for the client as well. So I think it's from uh, on both sides. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and another topic that's obviously coming up a lot at the moment is sort of the monetization and the kind of monetization models. You know, do we stick with the subscriber approach? Is fast a good idea? Is it a combined approach? How do they interact? So obviously that that is an issue that overlies the whole industry. But how have you seen sort of the, the cloud being used in this sort of topic of monetization and, and, and how to be more flexible on that? 
So, you know, I think it's back to the same story of the elasticity of the cloud. So being mm -hmm. able to, you know, event-based um, yeah. specifically is, is, is a very good use case, which we're well embedded in at M2A. I think that, you know, other use cases where you'll see this is um, ad hoc use, you know, any other mm -hmm. type of yeah, ad yeah. hoc use that, that can be used for the cloud. If you know that you've, you know, for 24 seven today, you've got one, one channel that's going to be running you would you would most likely look at on-prem. You would look at something that's you know not necessarily in the that needs cloud. But if you start looking at fast channels, if you start looking at you know potentially like a, a pop-up channel that may have additional content that goes alongside your normal broadcast, then you start looking at cloud because those aren't always going to be uh, um, you know twenty-four-seven and 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 you know you know exactly what's going in and what's coming out one and one. Um, mm -hmm. But if you've got any any type of elasticity that you need to handle within within uh, cloud infrastructure, would make the most sense for that. Yeah, yeah, and I suppose if you you kind of lower the the startup costs of things like that, it used to be if you're launching a channel, it's, it's an enormous thing, and it, it better be a run for years and years and years. Otherwise, you just don't yeah. make back your costs. But with cloud infrastructure, you can be much more like right. Everyone's mad for Miss Marple, so we founded the Miss Marple channel. It's Miss Marple twenty four hours a day, and if it runs for six months and makes the money, great. If it That's doesn't. It it's not like you bet the farm on it. So it just gives you that, it just lowers that barrier of entry. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And I've just, I can feel myself alienating everyone outside of the UK for using Miss Marple as a reference. I grabbed for something <laughs> and that's what I landed on. I don't know what that says about me. There we are. Um, and then final question on the on on this section, what do you think, what do you think is the kind of the, the future of cloud, you know, outside of its existing uses? Where do you think this is all going in terms of cloud adoption, cloud strategy, so on and so forth? I think more for, for us, it's been more pushed towards more data within the video layers, mm. um, being able to process that data, be able to handle the data to make, you know, special triggers. So scheduling triggers, or you want to make sure that when uh, you want a commercial break that happens, that commercial break um, gets edited out, we create a capture element or a vault element afterwards to make sure that, you know, it's frame accurate that the, the commercial break is gone or, or something is changed different in each region. Um, we've we've come up with um, um, EBAM, which is encoder-based ad manipulation. So we're moving the workflow back from the um, um, from the edge on the packager side back to the encoder side. So ensuring that the ads play um, with EBAM are we're ensuring that the, the the high value ads play for all clients or all clients within a region. So all of those customers that are in a certain region, we make sure that all the customers in Germany see a Volkswagen ad, all the customers, all the potential end users in Japan see a Toyota ad. So we make that differentiation but on the encoder side. So it's going back to the basics of, of broadcast where, where we, we throw the ad into the uh, uh, actual encoder rather than on the packager side. Packager side is great for targeted ads, targeted ads for myself, targeted ads for you, you know, whatever you want to see. Well, if you want to ensure that you've got a massive audience, you want to put that back on the uh, encoder side and ensure that it goes to a larger audience. And those are your big ads. And this is where most of the money is made from those big ads, you know, not necessarily from the smaller targeted ads. Yeah, absolutely. Fascinating. Wonderful. Well, thank you for, for digging into that with us. I'll pass back over to Tegan to talk about diversity. Matt, I know that we've spoken quite a lot about diversity and, and yeah. hiring diverse talent previously. Taking things back a little bit, how have you seen attitudes towards diversity change throughout your career? 
I think I think it has changed, and one of the you know one of it's been one of those things where you know back in the day it was it was a, a pretty much a, 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 a one race dominated industry, and I think now that we you know people have taken on board, especially corporately, it's it's proven to help people exceed in this area, but unfortunately, uh, you know, in in more diverse roles. But unfortunately, you know, we're still not getting the same number of applicants as we we want from those to, within those diverse uh, the, the, within diversity. So hopefully, you know, we'll see a change with that as well. There'll be more people that will be interested in media, more people that will seek a skill set within our field. They'll be able to be an applicant, you know. And that's I think that's where we're we're missing right now is probably starting at the grassroots of, you know, looking at where people get interested in this field and know that they can succeed in this field, you know, and we, we help them grow in this industry as well. I think that's a big step, you know, like things like rise are fantastic for this and we're starting to, you know, make sure that, you know, we're, we play a part of that and we can, you know, be part of any, any initiatives that they have and then also make sure that we're, we're recruiting uh, um, uh, correctly as well as a company. And what, what do you think, still needs to improve I mean you you touched there on you know we we need to get more diverse applicants applying we need to, it's a grassroots problem what else do you think we need to do and change within the industry when it comes to diversity and inclusion I think that I think we need to look at um, uh, larger corporations funding this you know I think we need to look at the the people that are uh, that can start the hiring process the AWS's of the world the Google's Look at funding these organizations and looking at looking at making sure that 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 education can be helped with or that can be paid for, and you know, and that's for any 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 uh, background, any ethnicity, you know, anyone from any background that comes from social and economic uh, backgrounds that need help to get into this industry. I think that you know any type of, and I know there is programs out there, but I can't name one. You know myself and i should know about these and be able to point to somebody that needs the help to get into these fields to say look this is the way you go this is what we should you know if you want to get into this industry this is how you this is how you manage it and this is how you can you know uh, get a scholarship to go to university to learn this or or something like that or get a, get a, a broadcast engineering degree mm -hmm. you know how does yeah. somebody from one of those backgrounds where is it you know what is where is the help from aws from Google from from some of these large corporations, we can help as much as we can, you know, as a small organization, make sure that we are part of seminars and part of, uh, um, you know, even going into classrooms and explain about, you know, broadcast is, is something that some of our team members do. And it's it's a great opportunity, you know, to learn from that. But I think it's a it's going to take it's going to take some financial backing. Yeah, absolutely. And it's inclusion doesn't just mean gender inclusivity, right? We have to yeah. work not just at um, attracting diverse talent, but then how do we make our workplaces more accessible across the board for anyone? Because we have diverse audiences and we, we need to work absolutely. at making sure our the workforce replicates that. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I know one of the, the big problems that that is talked about it is imposter syndrome. How how can we tackle that within the industry? Um, do you think? 
I, uh, I I don't know what that refers to, so if you uh, could explain so, a little bit further. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> so one of I think one of the issues with imposter syndrome is um, it's oh I'm not good enough or right. I'm not old enough or I can only see people that um, that don't look like me perhaps. So imposter syndrome is is that feeling of I am an imposter within the industry, and I think that can really play out amongst diverse employees. What what would you say to somebody who was experiencing some of those feelings? I think that, you know, if if we all have to start somewhere, you know, so yeah. it's it's you know, we have to go past those barriers and those barriers, you know, you have to look past that and and look for the right companies that are are. Um, I, I guess you, you want to make sure that you're comfortable in the right company as well. And if that's not the case, and you need to, you know, that, that needs to go to an HR department. That needs to, you need to take that a bit further. Those things need to be addressed. And I think anybody that's in that position shouldn't have be fearful of being able to do that. So, you know, being able to say that, you know, I'm not old enough, or I'm, or maybe I'm too old, or maybe I'm, um, you know, in, in my case, I'm starting to to see that side of things. Or maybe I'm getting too old. I need to listen to everybody else who's who's got some younger ideas as well. So. You know, I think I think you need to make sure that the company that you're working for is aware of these things as well. And I think they need to embrace it and be able to 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 talk about it and address it as well. Yeah, I completely agree. It's that let's talk about it. Anything that's left in the shadows sort of festers. So bringing things yeah. into the light to talk about it is really, really important. Thank you um, so much for that. And um let's learn a little bit of you outside of work uh tim yes so we like to yeah try and learn a little bit about all of our uh, all of our interviewees uh, with a couple of questions here so uh kicking off what would you say is your perfect weekend my perfect weekend is uh, spending time with my two labradors and um do we gardening. have names do we have names uh, of these labradors yes harper and gracie they have their own instagram account so if anybody wants to follow them harper and, harper and gracie labradors is their instagram <laughs> account so please follow them we've got you know maybe 60 70 followers so if it grows over the next couple of weeks i'll know why <laughs> um but no and, and gardening so i i love gardening i think um i'm i'm hitting my 50th this year so it's it's time to start um getting an allotment so i've got an allotment as well so i'm i'm at the age of um of doing these these sorts of things but i, I really enjoy it have you yet had to invest as i had because i've got terrible knees even though i think i'm a bit younger and those big sort of gardening knee pads that just make a world of difference have you ever tried them I do, I do, and I've got a uh, a special foam kneeler that I've got. Excellent. So it's, um, it's, it, it works we've really got, well. For we've me. got one with a Kath Kidson pattern on it because I was middle oh, when I was twenty one years old. <laughs> Brilliant. I just I just leaned straight into it. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Lovely. And uh, to build on that, let's go into the uh, the quick fire round, Tegan. Wonderful. So no clues, uh, Matt. I'm going to jump straight in. Would you rather start work late or leave work early? Leave work early. Messy desk or clean desk? Uh, clean. Facebook or Twitter? Facebook. This might be a hard one for you then. People or animals? Uh, oof, um, 50-50. I can't, well, I can't, I, do I have to give an answer on that one? No, you don't because okay, um, right. the Labradors um, might be listening. 
That's fine. We, we don't we exactly. don't want to offend. Exactly. Is it, was it Gracie and Harper? Harper and Gracie, yeah. Harper yeah. and Gracie, so, yeah. We we can't yeah, yeah. can't offend them. I totally Absolutely. get it. Um, Christmas or your birthday? Uh, this year my birthday. Mm. Winning the lottery or finding your soulmate? Mm, finding soulmate. Mm-hmm. Ketchup or ranch? Ketchup. Uh, I, feel, I feel sorry. I feel we can only on. include that question for the Americans. It's American you, audience. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> I know what. I know what I, ranch dressing I learned is. about. I learned about ranch last year. That's that's, that's a very uh, American. Way. Anyway, I've interrupted. Go on. Where Where have you been all your life? England, obviously. Um, emails or conversations. Conversations. Uh, sort by price or sort by rating. Uh, rating. Yeah. Crunchy peanut butter or smooth peanut smooth. butter? Mm-hmm. Robots or dinosaurs? Robots. Oh, interesting. Um, smartphone or tablet? Smartphone. Watch sports or play sports? Uh, play sports. Ambition or comfort? Uh, comfort. And finally, passion or stability? Uh, passion. Passion, strong. What what sports are you into out of interest? Um, not many, to be honest with you, but, they, but the, I would rather play them than watch them. So yeah. I'm not, <laughs> I'm, I, I wish I was more into sport. I did ride my bike in today and, and Lizzie can vouch for me on that one. So. <laughs> Very 20, good. Very- 20, 20 miles each way. Oh, nice. uh, I still quite... I still have to get home, so <laughs> quite the ride. Wow, it is. Yeah, yeah, is yeah. it flat at least? Uh, Brown Richmond, it gets a little hilly, but I'm I, I'll I'll survive. Oh wow, good effort, good effort. Yeah. Um, Tim, I'll pass over to you to to ask our final question and close. Yes, so we always ask the same question to close off the podcast to every guest, and that is, what is the one piece of advice you would give to someone entering the industry today? I think that um, I think that everybody should assess um, every every opportunity that they have because it's it's not always the same. It's not it's it's always there's there could be any um, uh, gotcha that's in there. Uh, you know, just just to make sure that you're you're sure about everything and check with people. You know, and get advice from people that have been there before, been there and done that type of thing. Um, you can't go wrong because you also have, you know, the way that I look at it, you always, you, you always have more hands on the knife and make sure that, you know, you've got enough advice from everybody and you get everybody's opinion before you actually do something. If you're part of a, of a group um, that can help you make sure that you, you have the, the, the right amount of people and the right people to help you make the decision, I think you can't go wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Matt. It was great thank to you. hear your thoughts or insight and a real pleasure having you on the show. Cheers. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, please do subscribe and give us a rating. It really helps these stories to be found and enjoyed by more people. For more information about NUCO, we can be found at www.nuco-group.com. That's N-E-U-C-O-group.com.